Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show on the week that Samoa have taken the upper hand in their um, Rugby World Cup qualification uh, double header against Tonga. I was at that game. Hopefully, you saw my interviews um, on the old Facebook channel. Um, and uh, the person who didn't see them is obviously shaking his head. It's Osaswin. How are you doing, sir? Hi. Good, good. How are you doing? Not bad at all. Now, just been searching through my bag. Obviously, I've got to find my hat and all this kind of stuff and be ready for the show. And uh, I came you across. Found dinner. I found dinner. I found a, a chocolate muffin. Um, because um, <laughs> at. Uh, the at Mount Smart Stadium, my first time there, um, the press lady had catered for 15 pe- um, media people to turn up. And so we had 15 people's worth of uh, of, of muffins. And um, whilst I made a good go of it, there's only so many muffins I can eat because there was no one else there. Which... So you know next time to take some Tupperware containers when you go to these rugby events and it's media. Because there's going to so, be food left over to bring home. <laughs> I don't, so, so yeah, well, I think, okay, to be fair, the worst, the, the worst one of the okay, so there were two other ladies there with me um, just before the game who were both from T, uh, um, TV1's um, Pacifica Culture Channel. So all they wanted to do was uh, talk to people in the crowd and weren't really there for the rugby. Um, and uh, then someone turned up, I think she was from Radio New Zealand, um, but uh, uh, she's a student who does some who just does some stuff part time, kind of for, for for Radio New Zealand. Turned up at like half time for the second half and uh, and did the interviews uh, with me. So she was the other person down in the uh, the interview section section zone. And then one of the photographers also joined us for the post match interviews. But um, yeah, <laughs> rugby World Cup qualifier, international test match between um, Samoa and Tonga, and basically stuff NZ Herald. Um, uh, what what other? websites are there out there um tv1 uh, tv3 all those people really just couldn't care they couldn't nah. oh look really... and, and and i mean it's, it's an interesting thing I, I i just don't know how to explain it really is you know you, you could you could blame the um the the i suppose you, world rugby um um in terms of the way that they promoted the game um 
and it's just like you then you can ask it's like what's going on in the media world i it's i honestly just lost this is like does 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 basically tv needs or, or sort of like media um circles need there to be a buzz about the game already for them to attend otherwise they go oh yeah, nobody's interested and i won't turn up that's that's basically the way it seems as opposed to in the old days where it's actually the media effectively that created the buzz about the event yeah and i guess if you're not going to create the buzz be part of the buzz um then you've got to say that um you've uh, that that you that then you get the, that's why people like new zealand rugby like the um super rugby franchises decide that they want to or, or, or decide they have to be the line of communication to the fans because you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. So, and there are times when we do criticise New Zealand rugby and uh, Super Rugby franchises and, and, and rugby in general for cutting out the media. Um, but here, where the media don't bother turning up, um, yeah, there's, uh, it's it, it, it's bad, really. Uh, so yeah, so thank you, Simon, who thought that my my interviews were good. Um, at, uh, at that one. I must admit, it was very nice having the, the Radio New Zealand lady there because she could then pronounce the players, the coaches and the players' names, which saved me from having to having to do that. And I could just go, hey, coach, what do you think of this question? Um, or <laughs> and not have to bother with. Uh, because as, as I think it's pretty famous, my my um, Pacifica pronunciations uh, leave something to be desired. It's, it's putting, it, putting it nicely. So, hey, I do try though, folks. And and, um, and um, also from Simon, I suppose it's like we're going on to other other what what some um, developments in the in the rugby world in terms of results. Let's not forget, you know, Madagascar. Madagascar, the, the perhaps the um, one of the top five rugby supported countries in the world. Um, they I mean, they they regularly get fifty to sixty thousand for for their. Um, uh, for their international games and for their club finals, so um, and, and so they, for those people out there, Paul doesn't do sarcasm, so that's for real. Serious, <laughs> 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 no, they, they get some yeah. of the biggest crowds in the world for for for, for, for what is tier four rugby internationally. It's it's not it's amazing. Um, Actually, you know, just but just just to talk about that result with Madagascar, um, you know. And obviously with Namibia as well, there's some interesting things happening in the um, African group, for want of a term, um, the, the likes of Kenya, um, and you know being also being eliminated from the uh, from the qualifying process. Um, my mind's gone blank. Zimbabwe, um, etc. Also, I, I think it was, you know. Teams that we've got used to seeing at Rugby World Cups have already been eliminated um, from from the uh, qualifiers. Now, so so looking obviously with Wikipedia being the authoritative source of this kind of stuff, <laughs> uh, Burundi, Cameroon, Madagascar, uh, Tunisia, and uh, Zambia um, have, have been eliminated so far. Uh, so Kenya is still on track. Um, Are they? My bad. Or, or well, that's a nice one. They're still part of the. Part of it, should I say, I, I, Namibia, who we would say always get there, um, lost their opening game to Ivory Coast at 24 13. Um, so uh, their 52 0, or sorry, 52 10 win over Madagascar was important. Otherwise, they would have been um, in some real problems. Um, 
then Madagascar beat Ivory Coast 24-19. Uh, so purely, Namibia getting, getting through purely on points difference out of their pool. Um, and um, uh, and uh, will now face the runner-up in pool D. But I mean, trying to get games played in... Um, uh, in, in in Africa at the moment is pretty difficult with the whole um, COVID um, situation uh, there. And um, good for, for Stephen Harris to join us. Um, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, privilege to be on the show, Paul. Uh, hi, Ashwin, how are you? Oh, good, good, Steve. I see you're uh, already prepared uh, for your travels on Saturday morning. <laughs> I, don't about, I don't know about that. I don't know about prepared, but we'll see how we go. The Northern Top's on already. <laughs> oh, it is, it is too. Oh, damn, just, <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> I hope he changes it before then, otherwise it could be a bit smelly by Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I've, got, I've got plenty of them. I've got a, I've got a jersey for every day. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I could probably start a team, actually, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can, so yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, hey, 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 hook a brother up. If you go and you go there, Ashwin, that's, that's, that, 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 that's sore territory, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> um, the, um, so, yeah, so, so evening, Neymar, Ali Le Bleu, yep, um, for, yeah, we, we, will, we will have a chat about um, how they went against, um, uh, against Australia. Um, Batman, yes, I know it's coming home to Rome. Um, nice. Um, oh, <laughs> as the, <laughs> these boys will tell you about the, the um, we're in, we're in the uh, our, our, our chat group on on uh, Facebook after, in Facebook Messenger um, after that game, and I'm like, I don't even know what the result is. <laughs> All I know is that uh, because of their comments in there that England had lost, but I didn't know how. <laughs> but anyway, there we go. I really don't don't care about football, so um, yes, unfortunate. Uh, good. And but uh, but there we go. Um, the so yeah that's so that's so yes yeah, so Namibia, Ivory Coast, Senegal, and um, Kenya have all made it through to the quarterfinals of the Africa Cup um, to um, to get that qualification through on that side of things. But um, you did touch on it there, so let's let's move on and have a quick chat about club rugby. Um, and uh, Stephen, yeah, this weekend you and I are heading up to Northland um, because it's club rugby finals day up in Northland at um, the uh, at Seminoff um, Stadium. Uh, it's um, five dollars um, to get in, uh, and kids are gold coin donations. Um, we've got three games: Premier Reserve final between uh, uh, Camo uh, uh, and uh, Mid Northern. Um, I'll be honest; I, the two sides I will know nothing about. I mean, reserve grade, reserve grade rugby, uh, reserve grade Northern club rugby. I mean, we're getting we're getting quite niche there, aren't we, Steve? Oh, we are, and that's uh, that's pronounced Carmo, by the way. Uh, after the All Black, Carmo, Ian Carmo Jones. Uh, yeah, should be that should be a, an absolute cracker. Of course, that takes us into the uh, Southern Zone uh, final, and that's between uh, Midwestern and Otamatea. Otamatea, once upon a time, both of these clubs uh, were part of the uh, main foray competition, but. Um, have sort of fallen on lean times in, in recent years. And, of course, the, the big game of the afternoon is going to be uh, the uh, final between uh, last year's losing finalists at Mid-Northern, who lost to Waipu last year. And uh, they take on uh, 
the um, shall we say we don't call, quite call them the dark horses, but they've been a revelation this year, and that's the Western Sharks, who are based out in Dargaville. And I, I think I I put a post up on the uh, was it the legend of uh, Marty Banks, just giving a, a little quick preview of some of the players that are turning out. A lot of Northern players turning up, you know, even the odd Sunwolf player, Derek Carpenter, who's uh, turning Ooh. up from Mid Northern. They have a lot of quality. Um, in that mid-northern side but uh, Western Sharks GRT, what they've been on a roll they've only been beaten once this year I think they may have been beaten by Carmo who uh, they uh, beat on the uh, weekend in the semi-final 36 uh, points to 19 and of course uh, mid-northern too strong for old boys uh, uh, Maris should be a cracker Paul Now uh, I can't remember if it was mid-northern or Western Sharks that uh, you had an interview with one of their um uh, with, with with the head coach, and one of the head coaches said that if he won it, he would be break dancing, um, oh. a la um, Razor. So, um, I, I, which one was that again? Because uh, I, I remember yes, that uh, we yeah, have yes. it on uh, on Facebook. Well, it's definitely not Corey Anderson because we had him on the show uh, last year. I don't know if Corey would probably want to do a break dance, but that's uh, uh, Peter Hugo, who's the uh, coach of the uh, Western Sharks. Um, who basically said, "Yeah, I'll do a break dance if we uh, if we win that final." So that we've got to get, we've got to have that those cameras close to the touchline or the presentation, Paul. So I'd have to quickly get you to run downstairs uh, to capture that. But um, a lot of finals on the, this weekend, of course, a couple of up, upsets in Auckland Club Rugby last Saturday as well. Ashwin, I mean to say, yeah, Eden versus Grammar Tech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. This is like who I mean, like Grammar Tech. Yeah, they've been there or thereabouts. But Eden's the big surprise, isn't it? Um, a, a team only about probably three, four years ago um, were sort of like yeah, basically yeah, they're always there or thereabouts, strugglers sort of towards the mid bottom table part of the table. Um, yeah, really sort of uh, surprised this year and made it through to the final. So um, yeah. last week knocked off Ponsonby, and that was actually played at Western Springs, I believe. Yep, huge. Which is and, the home of Ponsonby. Yep, and, and the other upset, uh, uh, Paul, of course, uh, uh, a club that's a little bit been said about in recent uh, weeks is College College Rifles. So there's your top one and two qualifiers who were beaten. Of course, College Rifles beaten by a late try by uh, Grandma Tech. Uh, so once again, um, a great opportunity for Eden. I'd have to look back in the record books to find out when they actually last won the Gallagher Shield. Ashwin, I'll get you to check, check on that, but I can recall them having a really good side during the 90s when the likes of Lindsay Harris and, of course, there was Gavin Walsh, a former North Harbour, went, went over to play for North Harbour. They had some really good guys running around, and, of course, at the moment, they've got the three um, Argentinian boys, the Costa, Costa brothers, um, mm. doing the doing the damage. Now, we could see something very interesting. The Costa brothers all played for Eden 85kg restricted grade in last year's final. So they could win. It's on the cards that they could win an under 85 restricted grade final and also a Gallagher Shield. So what does your records show you, Ashwin? I have, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I think I've mentioned this before. I really suck at Googling. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm still basically trying to find something that will tell me, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but interesting, as you say, with the Costa brothers, it's like they've been at Eden for a while. Um, and I think they've even, one of them has even spent a bit of time in the blue and white hoops at um, NPC level. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're, they're very good, competent footballers. 
um, yeah, just just great to see. And and if we just quickly head across the bridge, of course, uh, North Shore taking on uh, Takapuna. So that's going to be uh, an interesting final in, in North Harbour Club Rugby. Of course, uh, uh, Takapuna accounting for uh, near neighbours, North Coat and uh, North Shore. Pulling away from uh, North Harbour Maris, who were a little bit of a surprise in the uh, North Harbour uh, cl- club uh, competition. And we'll quickly check on counties uh, Manukau because it'll be pretty remiss of us just to see how our friends from uh, uh, Manurewa uh, fared on the weekend. Uh, uh, Paul, but uh, just looking at the result, not none too well because they were beaten by Karaka 36-25 and Ardmore Maris to have been the pace setters through most of the season beat Patamahoe 35-21 so the final for the McNamara Cup will be between Ardmore Maris and Karaka So if 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 I haven't missed it here I've got from basically um, on my page here on the left uh, results of the Gallagher Shield from 1883 through to 2020 when the season was cancelled because of COVID. Um, and I'm looking through this and, I've, and I, said, I could be missing this time and time again because it's a needle in a haystack. Eden has never won the Gallagher Shield. Wow. See, you know, you know control F is a great thing to do. You, you use I did control F. I did control F and it came up with nothing. There we go. Then it, that, <laughs> then it must be true. <laughs> yeah. So I'm second guessing myself and saying, oh, maybe I'm still missing it, even though I controlled effort. So, yeah, now this will be um, uh, Eden's, you know, um, maiden victory in the Gallagher Shield if they can come through on Saturday. So, um, wow. yeah, hopefully I can make it along there to, to see that game and um, and see if Grammar Tech will be obviously trying to see, try and prevent that from happening. Grammar Tech last won it in 2015. So they've tasted success not too long ago, about five six years ago um it, it, so yeah it'll be it'll be somebody winning for uh since since you know since it's for for a while well and, and of course grammar grammar tech when was the last time they actually won it i, I can recall teachers because they they um, Stephen's not listening to you he just told you 2015 2015. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, sorry I'm, sorry i was um i was busy looking up some information in terms of uh of the eden coach that's uh, David Bateman, who Paul interviewed last year. Last year, I yeah. think, and um, mate, he's a real success story because I think he's, he started at age group level. So to bring this Eden team through to um, to a, a Gallagher Shield final is 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 incredible. And just on those uh, Costa brothers, uh, yeah, it was Nicholas Costa who I think has played for Auckland. That's the uh, halfback. Of course, his brother Ignacio Costa, the uh, the uh, First five as well, and there's an, another brother, but he he wasn't listed last weekend. But there are three of the three of the brothers. You know, you kind of look through their team, and uh, got to say, there's a lot of no names in that uh, Eden Eden side, even compared to the likes of uh, uh, Ponsonby, who had the likes of uh, Jamie Lane, Auckland player, Alex. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Blake Gibson, Blues player, mm. Jordan Trainer. So yeah, they had some they had some good players on deck. They- and um, I mean, didn't one of the, wasn't one of the Costas or two of the Costas down in Southland or or North or, um, about two or yep. three seasons ago? Yes. That's right. Yes. They've definitely bounced around the trip. So, uh, gee whiz, if Eden are to pull this off, I tell you what, uh, uh, that is going to be one heck of a party down at the Gribblehurst uh, Park headquarters. 
easy to roll out of Eden Park and roll down Sandringham Road, and there you are. Not far to go, and uh, I would imagine probably the, the uh, celebrations would would be uh, just as big uh, for uh, for Grammar Tech. Of course, Grammar Tech missing uh, the likes of uh, Corey Evans, who's away on New Zealand under twenty duty. Uh, last weekend, but I would imagine he'll probably be uh, freed up to come in the side. And of course, uh, Liam Helen Ems, who skippers the uh, Grammar Tech team, uh, of course, rumoured to be going to uh, Northland. So it could be his uh, pretty much his swan song for the uh, boys from uh, where are they based these days? Around the Ellerslie area, aren't they? Grammar Tech. Grammar Tech. Actually, I'm not sure. I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, like, you know. Having 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 a son that plays in Auckland Club Rugby and, and you drive around all these venues and I always get bloody uh, college rifles and um, Grammar Tech mixed up. Grammar Tech, actually, they actually play out of Cornwall Park as well. Yeah, Cornwall, Cornwall Park, that's it. Cornwall Park and Orake Domain as well, yeah. which is, which is yeah. teachers, uh, teachers Eastern's uh, uh, ground. And of Old course, grounds. Uh, and, of course, they're coached by uh, Joseph uh, Tuatavaki and uh, Nora oh. Tokahere. Also involved in the coaching staff. I think Ed Strawn is involved with the coaching staff as well, as well as Fino Marker, who's involved with the Eden coaching staff. So there you go. Some uh, high-powered um, presence on the coaching bench. <laughs> so that's, that's so don't forget, on um, Saturday, myself and Stephen Harris uh, will be on North, will be uh, streaming on the Northland Rugby page, giving you commentary, hoping to uh, get a few uh, interesting half-time chats with some people um, as well. So, do um, do join us for that because uh, so, yeah, North Rugby. Yeah, they're the thing going on about this Auckland rugby, but hey, no, North Northlands where it's where it's at here, up uh, up north. Um, <laughs> since uh, since uh, Simon brought it up, we should probably have a quick chat about um, Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. And um, congratulations to um, Moana Samoa, Moana Samoa, no, Moana Pacific. Dear me. Um, uh, who have uh, gotten? Who have been granted a an unconditional license now um, for Super Rugby next year? Um, the Fiji Drua uh, is still conditional, and they're still waiting uh, to obviously complete some things. Um, so they it's looking at them both being part of a twelve team competition, and the format of which is still under discussion between Australia and New Zealand. Um, essentially, uh, Australia would like to. Uh, have a, uh, a conference star system where they carry an Australian final, and uh, New Zealand doesn't want a conference star system whatsoever. Round robin, um, and then you play some extra games, but quite who you play uh, hasn't been explained yet. Both of which um, will have their issues, both of which will be complained about. Uh, there is no two ways about it. Uh, personally, um, I would go down the conference route, but I know Archman had his head in his hand on that one. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I, I I just sort of think. Um, oh, first of all, I just sort of um, I, I just while I was uh, before I came on the show, I was just on Twitter, and um, there seems to be some noises that um, the Fiji Drua announcement is pretty imminent as well. Um, sounds like that one will be that announcement will be coming out of um, the Australian Rugby Union um, to ring the bell on that one. So um, yeah, sounds like uh, that's not too far away uh, to be announced as well. But um, now, look, I've always been a uh, a strong belief. Look, for some, you know, there's enough weeks in the season to play around round robin format, um, and then to basically have um, two weekends of uh, 
a weekend of some two weekends of semi-finals and then a final. There's there's, there's enough time to do it. Um, we're back down to twelve teams. We're not fourteen, so you know it, it's just logical. Go back to something that people understood and could follow, and you know, happy days. If if there were twenty two weeks to have the home and away round robin. Well, no, no, no. Okay. Didn't say home and away. Didn't say home I, and away. I know you didn't. Um, oh, okay. But, but um, the but what they're saying is is that uh, just around robin, which gets you basically um, five or six home games a year. Um, and I think from memory, the Super Rugby franchises in New Zealand were saying they need eight home games to be financially viable. I think it was. So, um, so from that point of view, that, that it's not enough rugby. It's not enough games yeah. for them for for them. So they need more rugby than that. I, it's funny, you know, it's like they need um, eight games to be viable. Well, if actually they pull their finger out of their butts and learn how to market the game problem, they could actually make that money out of five or six games. It's the fact of their incompetence, the reason why they need the eight games to um, actually um, make enough money out of the season. So, But that's another story. That's, that's another story. And, we, and, and uh, when we get on to international rugby, we might talk about the inability to – actually, no, we've already talked about the inability to market the game. As, yeah. as, as, we've already been there. Um, we might go back there again. Um, so because they because they, they they're going to have or what it sounds like they're going to have is essentially a round robin and then extra derby games uh, to make it up to to the number of games they need. Um, to me, I don't see what the difference from that is. Would be to have basically a conference of six two conferences of six teams. You play everyone in your conference once. That's five games. You then play everyone in the opposition conference. And then you play all the other people in your conference again for five games. That way, you've got your you get you you've got your sixteen games there, which is eight eight home games. It's in blocks, so it's easy to easy to explain. You then have an Australian final, a New Zealand final, and then a final, and then a Trans Tasman final. That's why we do it. If the two best teams, the New Zealand teams, well, you know what, the New Zealand final then is the best final. So be it. Um, I, it's, um, but uh, this one where. Uh, but then again, in all honesty, if you look at NRL, for example, they have a round robin plus some extra games, um, and they don't have a problem explaining that to their, to their fans. So, oh, yeah, rugby supporters just seem to have to complain about everything. Yep. <laughs> so if it is just a round robin with plus some extra games. I just hope that people don't, yeah, people don't complain about it too much. But I'm sure they will be kind of like, oh well, look, the Australian teams are playing derby games, extra games, therefore they've got an easier schedule. Just enjoy the rugby, please. <laughs> and whoever comes out top comes out top. The Blues. Uh, <laughs> the blues. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, see on the social me. network they're still celebrating uh, winning that uh, Trans Tasman Super Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> the last well, Super Rugby trophy that there was played. <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? Hey, hey! There's our, there's our South African friends that are celebrating winning the 2019 World Cup, and they haven't played a Test match since. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, 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 no! Don't, that's no. They've played one game since. They played Georgia. Oh, two. two well, oh, hang on. The other yeah. one was cancelled, wasn't it? The other one was cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rugby's coming home. <laughs> uh, so we didn't say who's home, did we? We just said home. Yeah, to a home. <laughs> home. Yeah. To home near you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, 
New Zealand and Australia, the rugby unions need to understand they need each other uh, and they both and they need to come to some, some form of format that works for both of them. Um, and they should be looking at the great, uh, what produces the best test players, because that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what Super Rugby is for, um, and that will um, and that will uh, uh, give you um, uh, that will actually draw some sort of crowds, so it's not purely subsidised entirely by international rugby, but actually pays some of its own way. If it ever could actually be self-sustaining, wow, that'd be a miracle and would be quite nice. But <laughs> we're a long, long way off from that. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, um, I just just with um, LB Saffer's uh, comment in there, I, I think, and um, I'm not going to say all all black fans, but the all black fans that I know. Um, you know, it's always been a long-term debate um, within the fans that I know in terms of, you know, you win a World Cup and you lose every test in between. Are you happy with that? Or would you rather win all the test matches in between and not win the World Cup? And, and it's just like, all the all the guys that I know, it's, it's been, a, and it's just like, even when we've won the World Cup, it's just like, oh yeah, that's done. What's next? We've never actually, like, the, the, as I said, this is within the group of friends that I know I'm not saying all all-black fans are like this, but the ones that I know are always basically been along the lines of, yep, so great, celebrate it for a few weeks, we've won it, but it's like, what are we doing now to win it again next time? Oh, not not resting on your laurels of the fact that you just won it. I've, I've got to say, LB, when we won the, uh, or New Zealand won the World Cup in 2011, we didn't celebrate. It was like a release. We were, we were actually relieved. Yep. <laughs> Thank God it was a bit of monkey off our back, and um, I think probably winning it in in England in 2015 when we beat Australia, I think um, that was probably more of a celebration because it kind of proved, yeah, we we won we'd won both our World Cups at home. Yes, we can win uh, one way, win, one away, win, win away, and even when we didn't win it in 2019, it was it was kind of no no big no big deal in a in a way we. The team went into that World Cup with with some with some concerns, anyway. So I I think you know it's just made me think. Yeah, if you've won something, yeah, why not celebrate it? Yeah, I mean, like, why not? I, mean, I, 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 I just want to point out, folks, that um, that uh, the, uh, the 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 two thousand three World Cup is clearly the best, and we should be celebrating that still. And uh, all the other ones in between don't really matter. I'm hearing. I'm getting feedback in my line, Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> are you getting that sorry. same scratching sound? I, I don't know. I, I I think the lines are down at the moment. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> I think there's a gremlin. There's a gremlin in a white jersey yeah. <laughs> um, on the stream at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just just I mean, like again, though, coming back to it, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it, it might even sound like a little bit of arrogance, uh, I suppose, but. As an All Black supporter, it's always been about the next game. It's never been about the last game. I mean, you, we you talk about the last game for a couple of days, but it's always about the next yeah. game. And it's just like, hang on, yeah, yeah. So that's great. We won the last one. How are we going to win the next one? It's just like when we look at the game against Fiji, we know that there were some um, gaps in our performance, and it's the fact is that we're looking forward to next week and saying, okay, what are they doing to change it to remedy remedy it? Going oh. back to two thousand eleven, it was like. Yeah, we've won the one at home. What are we putting in place to make sure we win in twenty fifteen to get back to backs? Yeah, that, that, that was it was it was great to see such a good contest after after the week before. And Fiji absolutely bought it, and, and the way their forwards just climbed into the All Blacks at breakdown was absolutely fantastic. It had Jason Ryan's fingerprints 
all over the, all over that particular performance. You're saying Jason Ryan's Jason Ryan's crusader-esque and infringing at the breakdown um, um, fingerprints well, all over it. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what. One thing, if you if you watch a bit of French rugby, one thing that they do really really well, they actually usually with the with the tap with the tackle player. Sometimes they'll actually go down, but they'll actually hold the player down so the player can't quite release the ball, which slows yep. it down. So. Yes, you are holding the you are holding the player in, and if you heard the conversation with Paul Williams and the and the skipper of Fiji, he said, "Listen, you can't just what he was basically saying. You've got to lift the ball, and they weren't lifting the ball. Lifting the ball, they were actually just holding the they were holding the yep. player, ensuring the next best thing was to basically slow um, it down. Was to slow it down. I know Paul Williams copped a bit of criticism, but I actually think he was actually quite." Accurate. He, he was actually quite accurate on the breakdown. Sure, there was a forward pass, but man, we've seen a lot of games this year where where forward passes have 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 been missed. It's just a it's just a shame Fiji had been in isolation. Maybe that maybe the, the conditioning in the last twenty minutes probably didn't quite help them. Yeah, or, or the firepower off the bench. Yeah, that is right. I mean, you got a white lock and a Coles coming off the bench, and they did make quite a big bit of difference. You've got obviously the energy levels in the French a Fijian team coming down, and then you send on a white lock and a Coles, and and, and let's let's be honest. I mean, you know, Brody Retallick coming back obviously got a bit of work to do to get back up to the levels that he was at. If, you, if you're picking, having, uh, having heard Wayne Smith talk about the fact that Retallick's playing the best rugby of his career and he's person he's ever been. But, the so, fittest, yeah, yeah. But they also mentioned the fact that he's about four kilos down on where he, yeah. what uh, the weight that he left when he um, was playing yeah. for the All Blacks, so before he went yeah. to Japan. So, yeah. um, playing against the physical Fijian team, that extra four kilos, obviously, yeah. well, appears to have ma be making a difference. He looked, he looked quite light to me. Yep, yep. He needed a few rice bubbles. <laughs> So um, I'll be honest, I've not actually seen the game yet. Oh, yeah, of course, because you were at the uh, Tonga-Samoa game. I was at the Samoa-Tonga uh, game. The, the Samoa-Tonga game. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah this, this was Samoa's home game at Mount Smart, as opposed to Tonga's home game uh, yeah. down at FMG Stadium yeah. next weekend. <laughs> yeah. Paul, 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 I was going to say, one thing that came through really clear is with a lot of these um, Fijian boys playing in Europe, you, you can just see the massive improvement in their um, in in, in, ter in terms of what they're actually doing in their forward play um, structure yeah, the structure yeah you, you can actually you actually can see the the structure and um, listen I was really pleased for for Timor Mayanavua who played for Northland for the last uh, couple of seasons or so crazy to think that he was playing in a club final against um, uh, Mid Northern for Waipu a year ago and a year later. He's uh, playing in a, in a very good performance against the All Blacks down in, in, in Dunedin. So it just goes to show, you know, well, we could be watching. I, th I think one of the things, though, but this was I mean, the the what whilst the the the, the Fijians and, and the Sea Island players in general, um, their ability um, is, um, is 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 not is beyond doubt, but their professionalism as to how they as to what they eat, how they train. Those sort of things. Uh, let's be honest; they, they haven't been great necessarily in the past. Um, I think being in a uh, European team environment in, in some of the in, in someone like Bristol, um, 
for Samir Adrada. Obviously, he wasn't playing because he's at the sevens. Uh, you know, he's off to the Olympics. Um, but places like that, they're not going to allow you. They're going to teach teach you, and you're going to have to change and become professional about your nutrition, about your preparation um, to stay to, to 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 keep your contract. And so, hey, love, that's, that's, that's part, part of what you're seeing with those yeah. players. Sort of, sort of what I was going to sort of uh, mention also is the fact. I mean, like you know, most New Zealand fans watching that game, All Black supporters would have been sort of thinking, "Oh, it's Fiji. We'll put 60, 70 on them." And um, I, I think one of the most um, enlightening tweets for most people, I mean, that didn't know. I mean, we, we, we were, as Paul's just alluded to, we've sort of got an inkling of what was what's been happening, but most All Black fans haven't. As Lima Sopawanga. Um, mentioned the fact is that if you're watching European rugby, you've seen how these guys are ripping it up in the Northern Hemisphere yeah, and yeah, how well yeah. they're playing up there. So yeah. anybody who's been watching Northern Hemisphere rugby or, or following it knows how good these Fijian players actually are yeah. and aren't surprised at the performance that they put in last week. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you can see those gradual improvements with teams also like Argentina. You know, the more the more professionals, professional these guys get, the better they are going to get. But uh, I just want yep. to highlight a guy who came out of Heartland Rugby who was playing for South Canterbury a few seasons ago. Yeah, that's yeah. John, that's John, Johnny Dyer, who was just outstanding over the ball. And in, in, in France, I just forget which club that he uh, John plays for, but, man, he's a beast in France. Mm. He's considered one of the better, better Lucy's running around over there. So, once again, it, it, it's... It's a lesson to anybody who is looking at players who have got potential. Don't don't ever discount anybody running around at the heartland level. There's some good rugby players running around in that division. Everybody can't play in a professional team because there's so many spots. So there are definitely players that are running around in amateur competitions that just haven't been noticed or haven't been signed up because positions are already full. And so people aren't looking, but doesn't mean that they're not there. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, Big Carl was was a good example of someone who went from club rugby to being an All Black starter in basically in, 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 in a season. In, in, in a season, uh, mm-hmm. because he just hadn't, he just got the opportunity. Someone injured, he stepped in at the Chiefs uh, and played well. So Look, yeah, and and I don't want to. I mean, obviously, this this could take up the rest of the show if we wanted it to. But you know, I'm just going to touch on the eligibility um, debate that's been going on. Fiji has shown that regardless of what the current eligibility rules are, is that you can create a team, an international quality tier one team. This, this, these, these discussions around the players not being able to play for Tonga or Samoa and they're playing for the All Blacks, the person is making the choice on who they want to play for. Okay? The reality is Once you play NPC rugby in New Zealand. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so, I mean, let's face it, most of the conversation is around players through the New Zealand structure. Once you've played in the NPC to, um, competition in New Zealand, if you're any good, you will be noticed. At that stage, you haven't signed for the New Zealand Rugby. You are not obligated to play for the New Zealand Rugby Football Union. And at that stage, if you so choose that your heart wants to play for Samoa, your heart wants to play for Tonga, look for an overseas contract where you're going to make more money or just as much money in super rugby level, and that will allow you then to then play for Samoa, play for Tonga. So the argument is out the window about this, oh, um, you know, is that the New Zealand Rugby Union is hoovering up all this talent and it's stockpiling it and therefore, and it stops them able to play where their heart wants to play. You've now, it's your choice. You choose the immediate money or you choose your heart and the potential money because that's what it is. If you go with your heart, you play for Tonga, you play for Samoa, you will get seen and the money will come, just not today. It'll come in two to three years time and it will be bigger than what Super Rugby is. I, I suspect I suspect with somebody like um, um, Sibu Reese is a little bit of regret yep. that maybe he didn't um, take the opportunity to put, to play for his home country. But boy, I've got another scenario. Say what? Say he doesn't get into trouble and he he ends up at Ulster. Is there an opportunity that he ends up playing on the wing for Ireland? As Ireland. Well? Yeah. There's probably there's probably there's probably that opportunity. There's probably that opportunity as well. You know, I spoke before about Timo Mayana Vanua. He made it pretty clear. I was having a have a chat to him. He said, "Oh man, I want, I want to play for Fiji," and that's why he didn't resign with with Northland. He got an opportunity to get an overseas contract. He was he was in. I think he played for the Blues development squad on a, on a couple of occasions, but decided to take the path of. You know what? I'm going to play for Fiji here. I think he had played under twenties for Fiji as well. So whether that made him uh, non 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 well a non eligibility player for New Zealand, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But no. you know, another one, Takiaho. I was really disappointed when I heard that he'd been pulled into the the All Black squad because you know what? Next World Cup rolls around. They're going to pick three hookers, and I already know who the three hookers. We know are. who the three hookers are, and, and unless injury comes in. Savasori doesn't come in, in into that group. And, you know, once again, here's a chance to, to play for. He's had, what, three three seasons, Paul, of Super Rugby? Is, is he in his third season? Um, I'd have thought two, maybe, rather than yeah, three. But, yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah. uh, the, the, the season that Savasori was supposed to be heading overseas, Savasori was matching Savasori try for try uh, for Waikato. Yeah, uh, and they're both. They, so yeah, you know, you know. Look, the, the, I'll give I'll highlight a um, a player that this in reverse, right? When we're talking about guys, it's really about making the right choice for yourself, what you want to do in your choice, okay? And that's um a C um Nathiwa, uh, you know, Isa Nathiwa. And the fact is that he only ever wanted to play for the All Blacks. He's a he's a Kiwi through and through, um. And but he was 18, and he got the opportunity to play to be picked in a Fijian squad. He got on the field and never touched the ball. 
Um, but he only ever wanted to play for the All Blacks. But one bad decision by him to to go and take part in the Fijian squad meant that he never got to do what his heart was about actually playing for the All Blacks. But I, look, I, I think the the Fiji Drua and the um, Moana Pacifica will, uh, well, more so the Moana Pacifica because obviously Samoa and yep. Fiji having much more of a problem, as we can see uh, from Fiji's results, uh, than Fiji at the moment around retaining and having talent available. Uh, so I think that will be really useful for them. Um, it was a question I put to the, uh, I think it was a Samoan head coach um, at the weekend during my interviews. Uh, he's, and he was, yeah, he, he was very positive about that coming in. Um, LBS says, how do we get uh, the island teams, Japan and Georgia, more games against tier one nations as well? I was going to say, at the moment, they're, <laughs> they're getting more, more games against tier one nations this year than they had ages. And everyone's complaining <laughs> yeah. about how they're not competitive games to watch. Yeah. So, pandemics. <laughs> pandemics are the answer to more tier one games. Yeah, tier <laughs> pandemics. Here's, here's, some, here's something quite warped, guys. Um, you've got the likes of Japan. Who's got? Who have got eight Tongans in their squad, who would invariably be first team starters for Tonga if they were representing <clears throat> uh, Tonga. So it, it is a little crazy. I do wonder, like the rugby league team, I think a lot of Tongan players who play in the NRL are attracted to Tonga because, on a given day, they can knock off all the best rugby league sides in the world. I do wonder if both Samoa and Tonga were a little bit like Fiji at the moment, where they were very, very competitive against Tier 1 Nation. I wonder if there would be more of an attraction for those players to think, you know what? <laughs> My country of birth is doing really, really well. I want to go and play for them. And I, I suspect that if that happens moving forward, I think you will get a lot of Pacific um, Island players who will want to go and represent their own country. And, and with a little bit of help, of uh, Moana Pacific as as well, Paul. But I really do hope we we actually do that Super Rugby franchise justice. Uh, you know, and and I'm talking about I, I'm hearing eighty percent of the team will be available for Pacific Islands. But geez, wouldn't you love to see somebody like a a Viafafita, who's basically I don't know roaming around in the wilderness at the moment? I don't know what he's doing. Put him into that side just to just. I to think he signed. Them. No, he signed with a French club, isn't? It? I thought he signed. Yeah, I know. No, I'm just sort of. Yeah. Just, just sort of throwing, throwing a name out there. Look, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's nothing. You know, there, and interesting. You've just raised something there as well that I was actually thinking about. Um, is the fact is that you know you have to be careful. That Moana Pacific side could actually end up with a few players, quite a few players that aren't eligible still for Tonga or Samoa. Right. At the end of the day, it's a franchise. Is that they've got to pick? They've got to be careful. They've got to balance between picking players that are Tonga Samoa eligible, but making sure that that team's competitive. Because if that team's not competitive, it's going to be detrimental towards everything else that you want to achieve uh, around yeah, building your Tonga they, and Samoan Tier 1 sides. I, th I think they're putting down as part of their charter that they'll have 80% 80, 80, 80 of their squad is uh, yeah. Tonga and Samoa eligible. Oh, no, no, I get that, right? So, but the problem is, is that do it. Let's say you fix that. You put that line on the sand. It's eighty percent. What if you can't fill your roster with eighty percent of quality players? Yeah. And now you're using, you know, you you're going to the clubs in in Tonga. You're going to the clubs in Samoa, and you're pulling out guys that aren't ready for that level, aren't capable of that level. And now you're you're jeopardizing, je oh, sorry, jeopardizing 
your um your team um performance and everything that goes with it in terms of building that following who's going to yeah, follow a team that's getting beaten by 50 60 points each week yeah look if they said look we will promise to be there after three years which because we're putting in uh talent pathways from the islands or from blah 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 then 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 then, then i get it uh, apparently um, apparently the cook islands are also going to be part of Moana Pacifica um, eligible players. So apparently, so interesting one there. Cook Islands uh, will be playing the um, loser out of uh, Fiji and Samoa the following week. So in two weekends' time, uh, as part of the Rugby World Cup qualifiers. By the way, just as an Tomorrow FYI. Tomorrow, Whoever I said, yes, absolutely. Whoever you said. <laughs> um, so, um, so yes. Um, the. Uh, so, Craig, yeah, what's the difference between Fiji and uh, Samoa Tonga at the moment? Um, well, look, I mean, Fiji's just got a high population, right? Is 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 it's got to be part of it? Um, I think there. Are, I think I'm gonna. I'll, I'll check it, but Fiji's population is about a million people compared to Samoa and Tonga, which is oh bugger all. Well, in the hundreds <laughs> well, yeah, of thousands, no. low low hundreds of thousands. I think two two hundred thousand, something three hundred thousand, something like that. So yeah, so being four or five times the size of them is a is, is a helper to start off with. Um, oh, the, let's see. I'm just short. It's uh, in 2020. It was um, nine hundred thousand. We'll call it okay. rounded up to nine hundred thousand for Fiji. That is. Um. So yeah. So so there. So yes. Yeah, so so being so Fiji are considerably larger than Samoa and Tonga. Uh, so that's obviously quite um, quite quite a big one. Um. But um, the uh, I mean, Tonga and Samoa have got bigger populations in New Zealand. Uh, as uh, sort of first and second generation people, um, and uh, quite a few of them, quite a few of the players from, um, uh, or from especially from South Auckland, will actually play for those teams. Sorry, Arthur. Yep. So Samoa a population yep. just short of two hundred thousand. Yep. Tonga, get this. I, I'm blown away by this figure. Tonga population is just over a hundred thousand. Wow. That that is. That's not nothing, basically, isn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it I mean, awesome. you know, when we're talking in the scheme of what we're talking about, and you're trying to build a team out of that population, and then now you understand why they say, you know, that like Auckland um, has a, a, a larger Samoan population than Samoa itself, and, and probably the same for Tonga as well. Yeah, you know, it, it actually puts a few things that never get spoken about in, in, in into context. Into context. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they and, and as as um, Simon also points out, they are different ethnic groups as well. Um, so Fijians are micro, Micronesians, whereas uh, Tonga and Samoa are Polynesians um, yes. as well. But, but I, th I think, as far as difference as far as the rugby team goes, it's more about the population numbers than their ethnic um, uh, uh, roots. There's even uh, I think a couple of in recent times a couple of uh, Tahitians have, have uh, uh, played for France as well. Vahamahina. Who's the uh, mm. big lock? Is is yep. our French Pol Polynesia as well, and is uh, another forward as well, which just escapes escapes my mind as well. So you know they're, they're tapping in wherever they can. Yep, and now, I mean uh, LB the Safa makes a point that look um, that they have problems with players in South Africa too. Absolutely, you do, um, and uh, he reckons that they can make three full line squads, i.e., forty odd players each. Yeah, that no, I mean. The, when you actually look at them, so, so you're suggesting there, um, LB and Safa, that you've got 120 players um, of uh, South Africa talking, uh, playing overseas. No, I think you'll find it's well over 200. <laughs> um, uh, I think Australia's also about 200 players overseas uh, and uh, New Zealand um, 
uh, the, yeah, the number of of, um, of players from South Africa, New Zealand, Australia playing overseas is mind boggling uh, in professional teams. And yeah, we are talking several. Yeah, we are talking several hundred. Um, and if you think in New Zealand, what we have five Super Rugby franchises, thirty um, odd, uh, what thirty five or so players um, in each squad. So you look like what, 150, 170 odd um, Super Rugby players. Uh, and think that New Zealand have got over 200 or around about 200 odd um, players overseas. There's as many players, or there's more players playing overseas professional rugby than there is at home. So uh, this is this the is same from applies to South Africa as it does for, for Australia yeah, as well. This is from 2018, so obviously the numbers will be a little bit. But back in 2018, there were 61 okay. ex All Blacks, not not New Zealand players, and not provincial level players or Super Rugby players, just ex All Blacks, 61 playing in Europe. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. There's. Uh, and as I say, it, it's it's similar for for the Springboks as well, uh, and also for the Wallabies. Yeah, it, it, the, the number of number of these players going overseas is massive. Um, you sort so, of yeah. thing. It's got to be. It's at some stage, it has to be detrimental to those home nations, in in trying to put their own teams together. If you're filling your provincial sides, for want of a term, um, with so many international players, especially in key positions as well. You know, mm. if it, if there's a good good first five running around the world somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere, they're going to snap them up. If there's a good first halfback running around the Southern Hemisphere, they're going to snap them up. Um, you know, for the development of their own players, it's got to have an impact at some stage, doesn't it? It does. The, I, mean, it, it was, I looked at the number of the, the players who left after the 2015 Rugby World Cup and the players who left after the 2019 Rugby World Cup from the three major Southern Hemisphere teams. So obviously the Springboks. Um, Australia, New Zealand. Wallabies and All Blacks. Uh, and whilst in, in 2015, you saw quite a lot of wingers and back three players disappearing. In 2019, it was locks. Just, I mean, there was an absolute pillaging of locks from the um, from both South Africa and um, from both from the Springboks and the Wallabies. Pretty much all their locks went overseas. The All Blacks were the only side to hold on to their locks. Um, from their squad, so um, the I think what it's best probably the, the only South African who didn't go overseas and something similar. Uh, I think all, yeah. all all of the locks in the Wallabies squad went overseas. Um, so yeah, it, it's um, lock lock is becoming one of the best or, or one of the sort of best paid or one of the best one of the most sought after roles at the moment. Paul, Paul, you could arguably say that Australia at the moment are playing with their third string locks when you think of Will Skelton, the, the Art and Arnold brothers. Now there was also the lock. Who left the Queensland Reds and then, um, then um, Isaac Rodder, Isaac, yeah, Isaac Isaac Rodder as well. And when when you think about uh, the locks at the moment, Sulakai Lotto and uh, is it Matt Phillip? I think is well, it, you know you could arguably say they are their their third back locks. rollers. Well, yeah. Sulakai Lotto is really a sixth that's been converted to lock. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so James Laura asks, is there a cap on overseas? That uh, clubs are allowed to pick. Um, so, yes, different and rules no. and different competitions, isn't it? <laughs> the different rules and different competitions, and those rules have got so many loopholes. Uh, it all becomes um, it all becomes very strange and, and, and convoluted. But um, essentially, I think in the uh, the Premiership, from memory, I think it's two players you're allowed, but um, the that doesn't include players who are from um, Pacifica countries. Uh, they're given an exemption. Uh, and also from South Africa because of the Colpac ruling and um, uh, EU regulations around 
uh, travel now. Obviously, with Brexit, that may yeah, change. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but um, the coal pack's uh, going to so, start melting. So the whole, the whole oh, I, I just who, who, hey, look. If you know what's going to happen with Brexit, still good luck to you. I mean, who knows? Um, but um, so yes, so there are there are um, um, there are there are there are there are those sort of sides of things. Um, the um, and uh, the and uh, but but both England but so the RFU is trying to make the, the Premiership teams have as many England qualified players as possible by basically bribing them, and the French have done a similar thing as well. Basically, you get more money from the RFU if you have more England qualified players in your match day squads. Um, so um, when I say bribing them, literally using cash to try and drive it. But aren't we starting to just see possibly the start of because there's so much money in French rugby? In, in Japanese rugby, you're starting to see just the start of starting to see the start of that's great England um, of um, you know English players going to France, going to Japan. Can we see that? Uh, you think we'll see that sort of expand and grow as the dollars become as they look? You know the dollars are there. Japan has got truckload of dollars. France has got truckload. We know if you go to Japan, you're going to you extend your rugby life. As well, your shelf life. So the dollars and extension of shelf life, pretty pretty attractive I, proposition, isn't it? Well, we're seeing it to Japan definitely, and 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 I saw like Cory, uh, like um, Cory Hill from Wales, for example. Um, now all the Welsh players had to take a twenty five percent pay cut, um, and um, basically uh, a few agents said, "Well, look, if you're going to make us force twenty five percent pay cut, then you, then also that's breach of contract, so we can leave if we want to." And he's um, with Alwyn Jones, uh, as you'd expect to be retiring after this Lions tour, you, you'd think Corey Hill was, ne was next up to be a starting Welsh lock, lock. potentially, e e even a captain candidate, but has turned that down and gone to Japan because of the money. Because he's just, yeah. So, uh, yes, it will impact, especially, uh, it does, it's definitely impacting Wales. Um, you'd expect it to impact England's, um, we've, we've seen it impact England's fringe players. If you mm. think of um, mm. players, uh, um, Adebenyon um, went over a few years back. I mean, so did Stefan Armitage, for example. Um, both those guys went over. Um, so, Andy Kuda, yeah. Andy Kuda, I think he went over to um, uh, Japan as well. There was, was a name that's just been thrown. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is acting. Been... Yeah, there's a name that's been thrown around just in the last month from England. And um, I, it's, I, don't, I can't remember it at all, but I know there was a player that's just in the last month or two that's been talking about um, will, will, he, will he or won't he go to Japan? Who? As I was saying, I can't remember the name, unfortunately. Okay. But it's just, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, so it's it's. I think um, yeah, no, we'll definitely see. I, I think your first choice players are fine, and, it, and it's similar similar to to, to like seeing here, like the All Blacks. Your first choice players stay, but players like Laumapi, um, like um, oh, that um, number six you just mentioned from from from, from the Hurricanes earlier, Fafita, Fafita, etc. Those sort of people, players are going overseas. Because yeah, it's they're not they're they're, they're not uh, they might they will pick up one or two All Blacks caps extra, but not enough to make it worth their while staying. Essentially, um, Simon makes a good point there. Yeah, that look the, the Premiership will probably keep the same rules because of the European Champions Cup. Yeah, probably. Well, but um, uh, it'll be interesting when those rules don't apply to Wales, Scotland, and England. Uh, whether they'll keep the how those rules will change. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, on that one. 
Um, Nocturnal Wright says, are clubs in France and England being used as tax loss projects for, the, for their rich owners? I have no idea, to be honest with you, but they do seem to suspiciously all make a loss except for one. Um, yeah. I was going to say, Ashram was thinking about is Owen Farrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could be, yeah. Could be heading to, uh, could be heading to yeah. Japan. Um, also, I think George Cruz also uh, popped has uh, gone to Japan, but I think he went. Yeah, he he, he, he left after the last rugby world cup. Yeah, yeah. he went left after the rugby. Right, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, um, Farrell, yeah, Owen Farrell. Yeah. Wow, I and mean, that, that, that that's a. <laughs> it doesn't get much bigger than that in English rugby. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> hey, um, I, I just want like um. Uh, who was it? Was it Simon or was it um, James that mentioned about? Oh, Mike James talking about the, you know, overseas players into in minor ten. Look, to my mind again, uh, it's, minor ten could be so much more than what it's allowed to be at the moment if they relax some of the rules uh, around the governance of it. Obviously, and and they got smarter people running the provincial game. Um, in the future, I'm not talking about next year or so there's obviously money issues at that level but if they start to turn the turn the titanic around and um you know there's no reason why in the future and say three four five years time that they could get that competition to a level where you could maybe get maybe not your your, your first 15 of your internationals but really good overseas players coming in um to, to have you know because you do have players globally that just want to come experience rugby in new zealand right because of what rugby is in this country. I mean, we saw it with Haskell when he came and played rugby down here for one season. I mean, that, that was a step backwards in dollars for him for sure. It had to be. and But it was about coming to experience rugby in New Zealand. So you there'll be guys that will be... Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was still, I thought that, eh? But I wasn't sure. Yeah, he, did, he did let people know, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I, but, so, I mean, for example, in, um, last year, uh, was like, we, we had um, Callaway come and play uh, oh, from in, um, in Minor 10, and he's playing for the Wallabies this year. Yep. So, and obviously, it's, yeah. by the way, just, just remind it, it's, it's Bunnings MPC this year, folks, uh, just from a, from, 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 from a sponsor's point of view. Um, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, so, so, yeah, so, I mean, Callaway was there. We've had other players come over um, and from Australia, more so than from uh, than other places, um, the, I mean, the money just is not there. Put bluntly, you, no, yeah, well, that's you, what I'm saying. They have to get smarter about it. Um, and play, but, being, but, but players like Callaway, um, oh, Stephen Harris, you're going to help me here with the Northland um, first five eight. Oh, who, Jack, De, Jack Debrasini. I mean, Jack oh. Debrasini came over, improved his game, got a contract with the Chiefs, then uh, got himself an overseas contract through that as well. So there are some players who see it as a way of show, of, of improving their game and showing their worth um, from that point of view. Who was the French guy, the prop? I've got a, I can see picture of his face, but I can't remember his name. Played for Auckland. Califano, Christian Califano. Califano, yeah. Came and played for Auckland in the NP, NPC. How many, how, how, many, how many decades ago was that? Oh, I mean, look, it was probably 2003, so it was a while ago. But, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. But but look, honestly, when you look at what's happening with NPC today and you go to 2003, go have a look at some footage of the crowds in 2003. They weren't a hell of a lot more back then than they are today. Um, so, uh, so yes, it's um, the uh, – I mean, LB, the staff says, yeah, it's, it's hard to get a French competition going well these days. Curry Cup has 
will become a yeah the curry cup is yeah unfortunately uh, has 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 definitely uh, faded and, and it's it's been a bit of a bit of a um well, you know, just getting, well, we've talked, I talked about getting smarter around how the hell we achieve this. And then yeah. Aaron says that third party sponsors. And it's just like you go through the country and there's people in regions that are still passionate about rugby and own businesses where they've got money. And they will, they'll, if you, you've got to pitch it right, but they will come to the party. I mean, again, going back a very long um, time, um, Carlos Spencer was gone from Auckland rugby and, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name. Uh, it was a Fijian guy, actually, um, but loved Auckland rugby, threw a million dollars at them to help keep Carlos Spencer. You know, so... Well, um, RTS isn't coming without some third-party um, uh, financial sponsorship as well. <laughs> let's be honest. Let, well, let, let's hope that sponsor gives them lots of highballs to catch. So we do have it at Super Rugby level, but not at MPC level. No, it's just moment. getting smarter, though. That's what the point is. Yeah. Like getting smarter in the way that we um, govern our games and run the game. Because yeah, it looks like their ticket prices this year, which is a bit, uh, uh, which, which is, is, <laughs> seems a bit of an odd decision. Um, but there we go. Um, yeah, it should be going the other way. <laughs> the um, So, yes, from that one. Um <laughs> work at the local butchers Monday to Friday. Um, <laughs> man, look, the man that butcher likes the, likes the Warriors. He doesn't like rugby union. Get, get the that, that, that was that was um, but that was our friend. Um, was it Liam Burr or something? Uh, the dude that um, came and played somewhere down in Thames Valley Rugby and then got picked up by Waikato. Um, no, he was the working at the local stables. Yeah, but well, he was, but he then he got he was play, he wasn't playing for Waikato. He was ripping yeah. it up for Thames Valley or somewhere like that. And no, then he, he was, got he picked up by Waikato. He was playing for um, Hautapu in um, in the, the Waikato competition and got picked up oh, okay. uh, into that one. Uh, a bit like the, the people down in no, I've got the I've got it. I was going to say Morrisville, but it's not because it's the other, it's the other side of Hamilton. Um, but they've got a sawmill there, so the sawmill Cowarrow will. Um, sorry, Cowarrow. No, that that's the other side um, of Hamilton, but it's a sawmill country. The, um, <laughs> Uh, but there's a, there's a local sawmill there, uh, Otapu. <laughs> um, so uh, o, o, Otapu, um, I've got the pronunciation right. Um, it's got a sawmill, uh, and hence, yeah, the, 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 they'll have some overseas players for their club game for their club that will, that will get some that will work in work in the sawmill um, for for that as well. So yeah, um, it is uh, the. Uh, Oh yeah, and uh, the Bulls have got a couple of billionaire South Africans back in these days, and have, have gone out on a shopping spree. So there we go. That explains why Jake White's doing so well there. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. So um, look, uh, we, we started the show. Uh, we, we're out of time, which and um, I want to watch Unusual? the uh, want to watch the Wallabies game as well against the um, against the French. Um, that's uh, against Le Bleu. That's coming up. Um, in uh, 55 minutes. But um, we talked about at the beginning of the show about the lack of media interest in the uh, Moana, the, the, the uh, Samoa versus uh, Tonga game, and it was a very small crowd there as well. The All Blacks versus Fiji, apparently that's, that crowd was about 15,000. Um, when you think the Forsyth Bar can get up to um, 30,000 30, for a rugby game, uh, only half full, that's bad. Didn't um, look like it was half full on the TV. I mean, we've seen half full from Super Rugby games. 
It didn't look like half full. Did they? Well, uh, did they have a so? So what they have a tendency to, or, or what they can do is they have a temporary stand behind one of this behind one of the posts, and if they yep. don't put that up, yeah, obviously it makes all the other stands look fuller. So I don't but know then, if that's you know, you know, it just makes a mockery of Super Rugby crowds, right? When I mean the number of times when we know that for Super Rugby that temporary stand does not go up. Um, and then we get told that there were 20,000 people at a Highlanders game. And it's just like that game against the All Blacks Fiji, those that didn't look very empty to me when I'm watching it. And there's only 15,000 there. Hmm. I was, was going to say. Yeah, so Cornflake yeah. said, yeah, one end, one end stand was closed. There we go. Yeah. Um, so that's where they parked the uh, I was, trucks. I was about to say, Paul, um, after Fiji's performance last uh, Saturday in the need, you'd hope that they'd get a much better crowd uh, rock up to Hamilton uh, uh, this this weekend because I'm pretty sure there'll be a bit of expectation. Hopefully, the Fijians can put on a performance like that again. Well, I was going to say two hours or, 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 or three hours before the show, I got a media release from um, uh, from New Zealand Rugby, which is uh, very rare. So I was a bit, a bit surprised to, to receive this, to be honest with you. Um, to tell me that they're going up the ranks, mate. Going up for the ranks. <laughs> this is the first ever media release I've received from a New Zealand rugby. I think. <laughs> but on, you're never going to get another one because that's embargo to eight AM tomorrow morning, and you're releasing it now. <laughs> you're, going, you're going up in the world. Hopefully, I'm quickly checking to see. Um, no, it's not embargo. Um, what they are saying is that basically there are, there are less than two thousand tickets left for the uh, game this weekend. Which Great. Is, uh, that, that's, that's good news. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that so that suggests to me there might have been a. There might have been a trainer trainer thinking that, you, like you said before, Ashwin, that mm. the public down there just thought, oh, yeah, the All Blacks are going to rock up and put 60, or, seven, six, six, 60 or 70 on these guys. But I think, uh, fortunately, uh, for um, for rugby, I think it's woken a few people up that this Fijian team is, is really good. Guys, I just want to, couple, before we go, I just want to share a couple of stats. I, we spoke about the stats, how big the, big the islands are in terms of their uh, population, but... Um, in New Zealand, in terms of demographics, there's 82,300 um, people who identify as being uh, a Tongan here in New Zealand. And in terms of Samoan, there's 182,721. I would imagine most of that population live in this uh, very Auckland area. Well, well you, you're you're Auckland area, my Waihe area. There's not that good. <laughs> it's probably more Englishmen down there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's gold in them their hills. Um, <laughs> um, so, like uh, Mark, um, James has asked us for um, predictions for tonight. Um, what uh, what do you um, what are your predictions then, uh, Ashwin, uh, for oh, yeah, the look- France? Oh, look, I mean, like, um, I know a lot of people were saying last week or, yeah, last week um, that uh, the Wallabies were lucky to to win that game after the Hooter. But to me, they were actually unlucky not to be ahead well well into the game. They were, they were basically all over France last week. Um, I think with an extra week together, fine-tuning, I, I think that the Wallabies will do it quite easily, probably by 20-plus points. Ouch. I'm, I'm, I'm in Ashwood's camp. I, I actually, I, I believe the same as well. They created a lot of opportunities. Yep. They just didn't finish Bombed them. them. <laughs> I, I think, you know, credit to the French. They, uh, they, they, they took their, they took their opportunities. Yep. Um, are they going to get any better? I don't think they will. Mm. 
And and you got to think, French are, the French are missing quite a few. I mean, like, there's, oh, they haven't yeah. got the old non-stick factor with Dupont there. I mean, you know, we're talking about him being, you know, the challenger to Aaron Smith as the best halfback in the world sort of thing. So um, I know LB will be sort of having conniptions there. Um, but, um, you know, we would sort of like Dupont's the one that, they would, that globally we're talking about, you know, a while ago saying he was the first best halfback in the world. So, and he's not there. So, uh, you know, French haven't got the strongest side there. You'd expect the Wallabies to do better and that they should do tonight. Yeah, I think last weekend the Wallabies came out and were not ready for the the intensity of, it, of, of Test Rugby uh, and, and it took them a while to get themselves uh, up to speed. And when they did, they butchered a couple of opportunities, uh, well, at least three opportunities I can remember. remember. Um, and then ended up, as you say, just, just getting over the line. So, uh, yeah, I'm going Aussies by three. I'm, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a 20-point blowout, but I think, as you say, I think the Aussies were the better team last week, even if they did require the French to really fumble the ball and throw the game away uh, in the last seconds <laughs> of the game. Uh, last seconds? It was after the hooter. <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> kick a ball out after the hooter. <laughs> the, um, so, um, so, yes. So, there we go. Um, any other points, boys? Or, we, or, you, or, or should we wrap it up there? Oh, I just sort of like agree with that. I mean, like I've always said that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we always talk about, and I think LB might have mentioned, um, where's Australian rugby going? At the end of the oh, day, sorry, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, um, you only need 23 good players, you know, good players to make a, a test match squad. So, um, and, and Australia's probably got enough to do that. It's uh, the element of, for them is a bit of belief, especially particularly against the All Blacks, because it's been so long since I've tasted that. Um, apart from one-off win here and a one-off here, consistent success against the All Blacks, it's really a, a mind game issue for them, I reckon, now. Yeah, look, if, if you want to know where where is um, rugby in Australia, look, it's been through the doldrums, it's hit bottom, and it is slowly on the rise again. We've seen record crowds in Super Rugby for some of their games this year. They've got a new broadcaster who's actually positive about the game and not trying to bash it the whole time, which is shocking. Um, so, uh, look, I think... Um, Look, it, it, it's, it's got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that, uh, that, that it's robust health in Australia, but I think it is on the rebound, on, 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 the, on the growth path from being uh, at a very low ebb. Uh, they seem to have got some people in place now who are doing the right kind of thing and are getting the, the results of some of the good decisions made uh, as, as, as well as coming through. And um, so, yeah, so I think it's heading... So, yeah, not... Not not great, but it's it's, it's going the right way. And and um, just in this series, they've actually um, got quite a few key well players put huge potential out with injuries. Like, and you're talking mm -hmm. about um, Jordan Pattaya, um, who's not there, and you know, and, and a couple of other players who James you know got a huge amount of potential, and we know it. We've seen it. We've seen glimpses of it. Uh, they just you know they're out with injury and the like. Um, so you know, I, I think there's some good signs there. They've got a lot of work to do still, but. Mm. Yeah, to me, they've got some positive signs there. I agree. I'd, I'd just love to see them <clears throat> at some stage in the future be able to access <clears throat> the Arnold brothers, Will Skelton. You know, somebody like uh, that I'm really surprised and maybe Dave Rennie's already reached out to him. If not, it's Jack Debrasini who is playing up in Japan, still only 28 years old, but man, he'd be, he'd be an ideal first five to have in that particular particular company runs the game really well good goal kicker no disrespect to the, the young fella that they had running around last weekend and, and yeah, James James O'Connor's an improved 
footballer, you know, you think of somebody like Samu Karevi, who's also playing for the Australian sevens team at the Olympics. You know, he's a genuine line breaker. They have mm. got some talent. It's just, I suppose, for Rennie, is just getting his best 15 on the paddock. And then you got the... Yeah, that, that 10 at, um, I mean, unfortunately, he's playing at the Waratahs, but uh, the 10 at the Waratahs, I mean, you know, he's a young kid. And he, he, again, you can see, um, you know, he, he's a, a liner or Larkham in the making. Um, yeah, but he, and he's only, what, 20-odd, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think we should... Yeah, the, 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 the problem with um, Sarevi is that... Um, not Sarevi, um, dear me, um, with Karevi, is that he's heading <laughs> overseas at the end of the season. Um and I'm not sure. Um, Has he reached 60 tests? I think he's got enough tests. Because that's the that's their benchmark, isn't it? 60, and you can come back as an yeah, international. It's, it's Corin Betty, not Karevi. What am I talking about? Corin Betty, not Karevi. Corin Betty is heading over the seat. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just trying, trying, trying to find out how many how many caps he's got. Um, but um, but yeah, he it's uh, so he's heading overseas, unfortunately, um, and. Um, so uh, I don't, yeah, so so whilst he is being, uh, whilst obviously they 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 are still using him, uh, I don't know if he'll get over that sixty caps um, or not. Um, before thirty five heads over, turning up thirty five. Oh, thirty five was nowhere near then. Mm. Jeez, that's a shame. Cool. Anyway, thank you very much, Stephen Harris. Thank you very much, Ashwin. Um, Another show that didn't go quite where I expected it to, but still very enjoyable. Uh, and I hope you all enjoyed it who've uh, joined us in the live chat and the Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, I'm going to watch uh, the Wallabies versus the versus Les Bleus. Um, so uh, do join me at Driving Mall on Twitter for that. Uh, and I'll uh, also bring you post-match reaction to that game as well um, this evening around about midnight. God, it's going to be a late one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 